Welcome to the Kew Gardens Festival of Cinema Directors interview series. I'm John Fallon, the host of the Indie Film NYC podcast. And we're here at the Filmmakers Lounge at a tease, talking about films. We're going to talk about the film The Last Stop. Uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, so I'm Todd Nelson, the writer, producer, and director of The Last Stop. Um, the film is screening on August 10th mm -hmm. at 1 p.m. at Kew Gardens Film Festival. Great. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to it. It's a documentary, right? Yes, documentary. And so tell me a little bit about how the documentary came together and uh, why you tackled this subject. Right. Um, so when I was uh, 17, I was having a lot of problems with, uh, I guess you could say, typical you know, teenage rebellion, mm -hmm. you know, drugs. Um, you know, I, I got kicked out of school. I wasn't getting along with my family very well. Um, so what eventually happened is my parents, my mother found a, a, uh, a program called Elan, and it was a behavioral modification program to correct troubled teenage behavior. Um, so I went there. I spent two years there. Um, it was bizarre. It was, uh, you could basically liken it to, it was, it was sort of a cult. You know what I mean? That's, it, it had its own language. Um, it had its own way of doing things, and it, it really wasn't until I got out that I realized how unique and how strange the experience was, because the whole idea of the program was to sort of, you know, it was a tough love sort of thing to, you know, attack you, break you down, and then make you rethink, you know, your behavior. Um, so when I got out, I, you know, found, you know, a community of people that, you know, had gone to the school, alumni, graduates, um, many of who have severe problems after leaving the school, um, you know, many who committed suicide or, you know, are on heavy drugs. And I figured this was, you know, a story that needed to be told because it, the other thing about Elan is it, it's not the only place out there like it. There's many others. And this whole industry, the troubled teen industry, is very underground. Um, you know, they kind of prey on, on parents that are having trouble with their kids. And, you know, they make, you know, a boatload of money out of it. When I was there, they were making, uh, it was $54,000 a year per head, you mm -hmm. know, which at that time was basically more than Harvard. Um, so, you know, it was a very big money scheme. But, uh, but, you know, I also can't say that there are some people that left there, um, you know, with a more positive outlook. Sure. You know what I mean? So the, the documentary sort of analyzes the treatment methods there. And you know what they what what their philosophies were, mm -hmm. and uh, you know what the what the what the solutions were like, and what you know what what happened with the people that went there. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that I found interesting uh, because I, I've screened the film, and you have a you know a section of the film which deals a lot with the aftermath right. of uh, these folks, you know later in life uh, right. you know and so I think you know a lot of documentaries about a place like that they focus so much on the place right and not the people right and so it was nice to see kind of uh, you know where they went with uh, this experience yeah you know I didn't really want to um, you know I definitely wanted to explain what it was like being there sure because it's very it's very hard to explain it it's a very unique experience and I think even you know the film doesn't really do it justice mm -hmm. because you really you had to be there to, to actually you know it was a feeling it was more mm -hmm. of a feeling than just an experience um, so I, I I do think it was important to 
to show what happened afterwards. And I think this is sort of a, a warning to parents who are considering sending their kids to these places that, you know, don't always just trust what you hear. You know, I mean, my parents, my, my mom found this place through a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the times, you know, you can't just take professional advice at face value. You got to do your own research. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I mean, in any aspect of, of your health and your, your well-being, you know, right. whether it's uh, a drug your doctor is suggesting you take for blood pressure or if uh, getting sent off to a, you know, internment camp almost. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, you know, this place is in the middle of the woods in Maine. Uh, you know, you, you know, the you know, Poland Springs water. Yeah. Yeah. We were right by the factory. That's oh, that's uh, exactly where it was. Uh, so, yeah, we were in the middle of the woods, isolated. There was no leaving. There was no question of running away, because if you ran away, they would send people after you to, to bring you back. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, and then you'd be end up sitting in the corner for for you know a month or until you decide to behave, you get pulled out, put in front of the house of about fifty people. They would rush up, scream in your face, mm. uh, tell you how bad of a person you are, and then that cycle would keep going and keep going until you gave into the program. Uh, so it was basically you know like I said I can't really stress this enough that it, it was kind of a it was very cultish. Sure. And you know anybody from the outside that walked into that place and walked around and and, and they they would they would probably run away mm. uh, because it was just so bizarre. Um, so yeah you know I, I I think this is a good you know I didn't the other thing is with the film I, I really didn't want to push it into people's head that this is just an abusive bad thing you right. know I, I tried tr I tried to stray away from that because I don't want to get too preachy um, you know in my opinion I think a good documentary you know exposes more than it tries to you know sway your opinion mm -hmm. you know what I mean so I, I just wanted people to understand the experience understand that you know there are a lot of places out there that still do this and you know if you're a parent or if you are a kid that's having problems uh, you know be aware of the solutions that are that are out there you know what I mean? Sure. And so uh, when you actually, you know, logistically speaking, so you, when you started on the journey to actually make the documentary, what did that entail? Were you just contacting people you knew, setting right. up the interviews? Like w what? Because when you did the documentary, Elon had actually been closed, right? Yeah. Elon, uh, when I, by the time I got around to making the film, Elon had been shut down. And that was majorly due to an effort by... Um, alumni from the school people who went there starting a camp an basically an internet campaign that was the whole reddit thing right? yeah reddit yeah. to to sort of flood the internet with information about sure. the school because now we're in the age of you know technology and mass information you know parents before they send their kids off to some place are going to go online and you know is this a good place and right. now the first thing that pops up is what this school is really like <laughs> you know they they got it to the point where the the school's own website didn't even pop up first it was you know this basically a big list right. of things that go on there. Uh, so eventually, uh, you know, New York State started pulling students out, parents stopped sending their kids, and eventually the school was shut down. But how I got around to, to finding people to, to, to make the documentary was basically through Facebook. I have, to give, I have to give Facebook a lot of credit because we basically have a group on Facebook mm -hmm. um, where people can come and talk about their experiences there and, and, and you know, sort of heal with each other or share stories or you know whatever and I basically tapped into that group and said hey you know I think it would be a great idea to, to, to make a film about this so people can really understand you know package this whole story into something nice and understandable for the sure. for the general public 
and and get it out there. So and and everybody, mo- most people were were totally on board with doing it. You know. And so, uh, did you see this kind of as a, as an extension of that work of of kind of what started online? Is is just finishing the the story of of what this is? Yeah, you know, I mean, w- one of the things uh, if you go up to the property now. Um, you, uh, the buildings are all still there, and the crazy thing is, inside the buildings, all the stuff is still there. You know, all the mm. books, all the chairs. It's like, it's just basically like the owners just dropped the keys and ran out the door. Wow. You know what I mean? And I think that's sort of what. Um, well, first of all, I, I I I can't just totally put a lot of blame on the people that work there mm-hmm. because most of those people were ex-residents who had just worked their way up to staff. You know what okay. I mean? And that's another very important factor. There weren't really any, you know, trained psych- psychological, you know, sure. professionals there. It was basically people who had just graduated the program. Um, so I can't put blame on them. But I, I think to a, to a large degree, the people that owned it just kind of wanted it to just kind of fade away. Mm-hmm. And, and for nothing, just for it to just kind of disappear. Um, but I thought, you know, this is a story that really does need to be told because a lot of people... Uh, are still in a lot of pain because of their experience there, because of the help they didn't get or the 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 you know the pain that was kind of delivered right. to them. You know what I mean? I mean, one of their 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 mottos there was "one size fits all" therapy, sure. and that that's just ridiculous. You right, know what I mean? I mean, everybody kind of ha- thinks differently and has their own you know way of 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 working on their problems. And Alan didn't work that way. Um, so so yeah. But you can you can see the draw for a parent who is at the end of the rope for oh for no no they, they they I will always say they have the best sales pitch ever which is basically you know parents th- the one thing they love most hopefully in not all cases is right. their kid and um, they only want the best for their kid and when you have somebody saying hey your you know your kid's gonna die if you don't send him here mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so send him to us and so yeah they have the best sales pitch because they really appeal to the emotional. Right. needs of the, of the parents of the parents yeah. more than the kids exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's and they were making money you know hand over hand over fist there because at their height they had do it, if i remember correctly 11 different houses they had well there were eight so eight. there were eight eight houses in total over the years they started to shut down they started to shut down the older houses okay. as it got smaller um one thing that should also be noticed, uh, be be told, is a big part of the Elan story is. Do you know who Michael Skakel is? Yes. Okay. My, so Michael Skakel was a resident at Elan. Right. And um, this was after the whole thing with Martha Moxley and his his neighbor that he supposedly killed. Um, and he went basically was sent to the school. And one of the major uh, uh, aspects of Michael Skakel's case was that he admitted to killing his neighbor at Elan. Mm. The problem with that was that he admitted. He admitted it forcefully. You know what I mean? They right. they basically forced the confession out of him. Sure. And uh, through uh, there was a, uh, a, a an emotional tool there called the boxing ring, where students would be put into a boxing ring against each other, and mm-hmm. they would be made to fight each other until until they gave into the program. 
Do you know what I mean? Like a boxing match. Like a physical. It was a physical boxing, boxing match. Yeah, and and you never won if you were the one acting out or you were the one causing problems. You never won because they would just keep putting in another kid until you were beat down. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So one at a time, but it w- might be. Yeah, you just, you could basically be fighting person. seven people, right. and, and you just you can't even stand up anymore. Sure. Um, and eventually, Michael Skakel admitted or saying maybe I, you know, okay, maybe I did kill her. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, this got into the news, and then you know that's when Alan really really started to get some exposure like sure. people are like, what is this why are why why do people have boxing rings and why are why are kids boxing each other you know what yeah. i mean I, I was amazed at how long it was around i mean i think uh the graphic was something like it started in 78 uh 70 so it was around 70, for 40 years yeah. yeah 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 i mean that's yeah. a long time it's it, 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 it is one of the longest surviving um troubled you know intense troubled teen programs out there like i said there's still a lot more um, in fact, this Alan was founded on the Daytop program, and anybody who knows, who's in New York, knows Daytop. Mm-hmm. It's a very big um, rehabilitation facility here in New York, and all up and down the East Coast, basically. Uh, and the program was derived from Daytop, but sort of twisted once it got up to the woods of Maine sure. a- into its own thing. And you know. so, uh, kind of, how many people would be in the school at any one time? That in the in, in in each house? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, how does that work? Is yeah, so so the the school was divided into different houses. When I was there, there were two functioning houses. Okay. Um, like you said, at the height, there were uh, there were eight, seven or seven or eight. Okay. Um, basically, there was about fifty to sometimes a hundred kids per house. I think wow. there was like sixty-five or seventy, maybe a little more in mine. Wow. Yeah, and it was a small house too. It wasn't like this big facility, and and you got to imagine. Just to get a picture, this was like this was like a hunting lodge mm-hmm. in the middle of the woods. Sure. You know what I mean? It was it was you know y- when you go to summer camp, if you've ever been to summer camp when right. you were a kid, it's basically like that. It was like a you know wood paneling on the walls, mm-hmm. you know broken up tile. It was it was it was a hunting lodge. So you had a lot of roommates. Oh like yeah, yeah. I mean quarters. there would be there would be like eight kids to a to a to a to a bunkhouse basically. Sure. You know. Yeah, we had that lack of privacy, I'm sure, adds. Oh, there was to no privacy. Message. There was there was no privacy right. at, at all at, at any point. I mean, we even when you first came into the program, they had a, a non-strength and strength division in the program. Mm-hmm. Strength were more trusted, and non-strength were not trusted. So, if you were a non-strength, you would have a strength watching you at all times, in any room you went into, even the bathroom. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to go to the bathroom, you have to have somebody watch you and make sure that you didn't run away. Right. You know what I mean? Or talk to other students. To, to, to run away, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't even. I couldn't even talk to you without somebody listening to our conversation. I have to say, "Hey, will you listen to us talk?" Right. <laughs> this is how strict it was. Sure. You know. Yeah. No. I, and I think a lot of that comes across in the film. I mean, I think you did a really good job illustrating kind of the bizarre nature of communication and yeah. hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. That well, to have. well, that that was the most important part because I. You gotta under, you gotta explain to people how this worked, right. and it's very hard to explain without being there. So, uh, so one of the things, a whole section of the film, I just dedicated to, okay, this is basically how it works. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You start here, you end here. These are the rules. This is what we did on a daily basis, and I think that's what people want to hear. They want to they want to kind of get a feeling of what people went through on a daily basis. Now, was this a a film that you just? decided one day like i'm going to do this or did you bring in producers and people to help you kind of shape this like how did that work well to bring it to fruition well basically i was 
I was out of college and I, I, was, um, I was working in the industry and I, I wanted to kind of start my own project. So I figured I was looking around for something to, to film, you know, mm -hmm. a story, a good story. And Alon just kind of popped into my head. I was on, I think I was on Facebook and I saw some things about Alon and I, I, I started reading into it more and remembering my own experiences there. And I, and I found that nobody else had did, done films about this place or the places like it. Wow. You know what I mean? So I was, I was like, okay, this, this is a good story to start with because I know it. You know what I mean? I, I experienced it myself. Um, so that's how it came to be. And then I got, you know, my friend, my, my, the, uh, the cinematographer, Ulysses, I got him on board. He's my good friend from film school and he was all psyched about the project. And I recruited a lot of people from those pages in the Elan group mm -hmm. to, um, to help with research and help, you know, contribute what, what they documents, you know, pictures, sure. video, all, all those things. And did you, you edit it yourself or? I did, I did the editing myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm an editor by trade. That's what I do professionally, you know, I'm, you know, to make money when I'm not working on my own films. Sure. So. Great. Well, and so the message that you want to convey with this is, is just kind of uh, a warning to parents. I want, I want people to understand what exactly is out there and not take recommendation or 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 marketing at face value mm -hmm. a lot of the, a lot of um um advertising for this this industry for the trouble teen industry is done online because you know uh, um one of the people in the film maya salovitz who's who's uh, a, a neuroscience journalist she's great um she says that that you know if you if your kid has cancer you're oh. going to go far and wide to find the answer you're going to go to your your cousin who might work at memorial sloan kettering or you're going to you're going to network to your family and your friends sure but if your kid has a, a mental illness or or an addiction or something that's a little that's still very taboo in this country right. and around the world you'll probably be searching online for for ads and for ways to fix this or or you know you don't you don't want people to really know that your child is struggling with this and this is sort of what these institutions feed off of yeah. And what psychologists feed off of, right. um, you know, I, uh, people know Dr. Phil. He he does this stuff all the time. Um, so, be aware of what's out there and uh, and do your research. I, I can't stress that enough. That's great. Well, yeah. uh, I know people are going to really uh, find this film impactful when they when they see it uh, this week. And uh, you know, there's a lot of strong personalities in it. Yes. That, that come through. And yeah. Uh, and a lot of a lot of. Um, Alumni and ex-residents will be attending as well, and and they, I'm sure they'd love to speak. And you can definitely ask them about their experiences. Uh, people from Milan just love they they do really love talking about the experience there. It's yeah. it's kind of healing getting getting it out, you know. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, yeah. It's some amazing stories. So, thank you for bringing this uh, subject. Uh, I mean, it's something that I hope I never have to deal with. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> but uh, you you're know, a little older, so you don't have to worry. Well, I, my kids are young. Oh, okay, I'm there you go. Okay. My oldest is six, so. Oh. Uh, well. <laughs> So, time. yeah, but, you know, it, it's unfortunately something people do have to deal with. Yeah, times. totally. You know, I mean, uh, mental illness and addiction and all these problems that teenagers have aren't going to go away. And, right. and there will always be people out there to, to, to try and fix it and try to market that they have the best solution. And that's not always the truth. Well, thanks for being part of the inaugural year of the Kew Gardens Festival of Cinema. Thank you.